Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories. A soda takes you back in time. It's a January or February to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this third Super Bowl of the decade, and the next seven as well. Today we have Super Bowl 27 which was held on January 31st, 1993 at the Rose Bowl in beautiful Pasadena, California, between the third-time AFC champion Buffalo Bills and the record-setting six-time NFC champion Dallas Cowboys. If you're looking for the full story of this 1993 season, pick up my... or 1992 season, I'm sorry. Um, pick up my... Nifty 90s book, and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question today is this. The teams in this Super Bowl combined for 69 points, tying it with the Super Bowl that happened 10 years later, Super Bowl 37, for the third most points in Super Bowl history. What were the only other two Super Bowls to have more combined points? Here's a hint. One of them came shortly after this one, while the other one happened just a few years ago. The answer will come near the end of the podcast. The Buffalo Bills have won the last two AFC Championship games, but both of those came at home. This time, the Bills entered the playoffs as a wild card team, despite starting the season 4-0 and 9-2. A late season collapse, including a season-ending 27-3 loss to Houston, dropped them into the number four seed in the AFC, with Miami winning the AFC East instead. 
starting quarterback Jim Kelly went down with an injury in the wildcard game, also against Houston, who took a 35-3 lead in the early in the third quarter. That's when backup quarterback Frank Wright, Frank Reich led the greatest comeback in NFL history, bringing the Bills back to put the game in overtime tied at 38. A Steve Christie field goal won the game in the extra session, and the Bills became the first and only team to recover from a 32-point deficit to win a game. The Bills then visited the number one seeded Pittsburgh Steelers, and they cruised by them 24-3. They went to Miami for the AFC Championship game, and they came away with a 29-10 victory to punch their ticket to, the, to their third straight Super Bowl. Kelly's numbers weren't all that great, 23 touchdowns and 19 interceptions, and a passer rating of just 81.2, but he did throw for 3,457 yards, 913 going to receiver Andre Reid. Running back Thurman Thomas followed his MVP season with another great one, 1,487 yards and 9 touchdowns on the ground, and 58 catches for 626 yards and three more touchdowns. Receivers James Lofton and Don Beebe also were both over 500 yards receiving. As for the Dallas Cowboys, they were only three years removed from going 1-15. In 1992, they started out 3-0 and 8-1. They went on to finish 13-3, winning the NFC East. They were the number two seed. The Cowboys easily dispatched of the Philadelphia Eagles 34-10 before an epic showdown in San Francisco against the number one seeded 14-2 49ers. The Cowboys came away with a 30-20 victory on the road and head coach Jimmy Jansen had his team in the Super Bowl in only his fourth year at the helm. Jimmy Jansen had put together an all-star lineup by drafting and trading better than anyone else. He had quarterback Troy Aikman from a number one overall pick, and Aikman threw for over 3,400 yards and 23 touchdowns in 1992. He had running back Emmett Smith, who rushed for 1,713 yards and 18 touchdowns. He had Michael Irvin, who caught 78 passes for four yards shy of 1,400 and seven scores. And he had a defense that was the most underrated unit in the whole league. Not a single Cowboy defensive player was selected to the Pro Bowl. They were about to unleash their revenge on the NFL for overlooking them. This Super Bowl was the final one to be contested at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. After this game, every subsequent Super Bowl has been at the home stadium of one of the teams in the NFL. To toss the coin was Buffalo Bills legend O.J. Simpson. This being 1993, Simpson was one of the most respected and celebrated former players of all time. He was an extremely popular choice for this honor, 
judging by the fans' reaction at the Rose Bowl. Of course, we all know what happened in the new year future. So to start off the game, Kelly threw to a wide-open wide read for 14 yards, first play of the game. And that would be their only first down on this drive. And the Bills had the punt. Special teams a steep tasker made the tackle of Kelvin Martin, the returner, at the 15. Cowboys then went three and out. Punter Mike Saxon went back to punt, and he had a block by who other than Steve Tasker. And the ball went out of bounds at the 16. And, and Dick Enberg said, oh my, perhaps thinking this Super Bowl was going to go different from the two before. And perhaps he was right. Kelly was sacked by defensive end Charles Haley, and Bills tackle Will Will Wolford fell on the ball. That would have forced the field goal kick, but the Cowboys were called for holding on the play. Given another chance, Thomas ran it in from two yards out. Bills took a 7-0 lead. Aikman threw to tight end Jay Novacek for nine yards, and Smith picked up the first down from there to the 40. Smith then had a run for another first down, wiped out by an illegal formation penalty. The Cowboys were forced to punt again, and this one went for a touchback. Dallas defensive tackle Leon Lett was called for roughing the passer on first down. Then Kelly fired to Reed for 21 yards to get the midfield. And now in a play that no one would remember by the end of the game, Cowboys defensive back James Washington picked off a Kelly pass to end Buffalo's chances at taking a multi-score lead. Aikman threw to Irvin on third down for 20 yards. Smith gained the first down on a draw play after a measurement, and then Aikman went to the end zone. He found Novacek, two connected for a 23-yard touchdown, and the Cowboys had tied the game at seven apiece. On the very first play of the new Bills possession, Charles Haley sacked Kelly, knocked the ball out, and went right to defensive tackle Jimmy Jones. And he returned it two yards for a touchdown, and the Cowboys took a 14-7 lead. The 21 first quarter points marked the most points in the first quarter of a Super Bowl ever at that time. After a good kickoff return, running back Kenneth Davis ran for a first down into Dallas territory at the 44. Kelly then found Reed for a 40-yard gain down to the 4. But in a scene similar to Super Bowl 16 between the Bengals and 49ers, the Cowboys' defense stiffened and wouldn't let the Bills into the end zone. Fullback Carwell Gardner ran a first down, Thurman Thomas second down, Kenneth Davis third down. They were all stopped short of the goal line. Bills head coach Marv Levy chose to go for it, but Kelly threw an interception in the end zone to defensive back Thomas Everett, and the Cowboys got a touchback out of it. Aikman threw to Novacek for a first down and scrambled for a first down himself afterward. The Cowboys had the punt, though, and Buffalo got the ball back at their own 15. Davis ran the ball in three straight plays, getting a first down, moving the ball out to the 33, but then on the next play, Kelly got hit. He injured his knee. 
He was in excruciating pain, had to come off the field, be carted back to the x-ray machine. His day was over. So Frank Wright came into the game, hoping to lead a similar comeback to the one he led uh, just earlier in the month. He threw the tight end Pete Metzelars for a first down at the 40, and then to Reed for another first down at the 22. Davis took a reverse down to the 12 for still another first down. However, the Bills couldn't get it into the end zone, and they settled for a 21-yard Christie field goal to make it 14-10. The Cowboys wasted little time in responding. Aikman threw to Smith for 6 yards and to Novacek for a first down. Smith then busted off a 38-yard run down inside the Buffalo 20. After the two-minute warning, Aikman fired to Michael Irvin for a 19-yard touchdown, giving Dallas a 21-10 lead. Then Thurman Thomas fumbled on a pass reception immediately following the touchdown. Leon Lett was there to strip the ball out, and Jones recovered. It took Dallas just one play to take advantage. Aikman gunned the ball to Irvin again, he kind of kicked out his leg as he was making this catch, which he said uh, on the America's Game documentary was intentional. And he caught it for an 18-yard touchdown, put Dallas up 28-10. to 10. So now Frank Reich threw a long pass that was intercepted by defensive back Larry Brown, marking the Bills' fifth turnover of the first half. Cowboys tried to score before the half with Aikman throwing to Irvin for a first down at the Buffalo 45 with 12 seconds left. But then Emmett Smith got tackled and bounced on the next play and the clock ran out with Dallas up only 18. And, and then after that came one of the most memorable halftime shows of all time, Michael Jackson. As the second half began... Emmett Smith ran it twice, getting a first down at the 39. Aikman threw to fullback Daryl Johnston, Moose, for seven yards, and then he found a wide-open Irvin for 24 more. Smith ran for seven before going for a first down. Next, Aikman went down to the sideline, or he passed down the sideline to Irvin for another first down at the seven. It looked like the Cowboys were about to put the game away, but Aikman couldn't find Novacek on third and goal. They settled for a 20-yard field goal by kicker Lynn Elliott, and they increased their lead to 31-10. The Bills got just one first down before having to punt again. Dallas's Kelvin Martin, nicknamed Kmart, returned the punt 30 yards to the 42. Almost a blue light special, NBC announcer Bob Trumpy said. Aikman threw to Novacek for a first down at the 45, but Smith was stopped on a third down run a few plays later, and the Cowboys had the punt. Kenneth Davis ran for a first down past midfield, then right through to Reed for another new set of downs at the 37. Two plays later, after being pushed back to the to the 40, Wright rolled out to his right and threw a pass at the last possible second 
Before going past the line of scrimmage, he found a wide-open Don Beebe in the end zone for a 40-yard touchdown. He threw the ball just in time before going past the line of scrimmage. So on the final play of the third quarter, the Bills had cut the deficit to just 31-17. So the Bills are back in the game, but now could the Cowboys put it away? Well, the teams traded punts after that, so uh, it stayed a 14-point game. Then the Cowboys got the ball back at their own 43. Emmett Smith plowed up the middle for 12 yards. Then Aikman went play action, found receiver Alvin Harper down the right sideline for a 45-yard touchdown. The Cowboys now had a 38-17 lead. The game was pretty much settled. But after this, the Bills would just keep turning the ball over and over. First, Reich threw an interception. This one also going to Everett who returned it to the seventh. After a sack by Bruce Smith, Emmett Smith ran in a draw play from 10 yards out to give Dallas a 45-17 advantage. It got worse. Wright fumbled a shotgun snap and never got a handle on it. Instead, linebacker Ken Norton Jr. picked up the loose ball and returned it nine yards for a touchdown. 52 to 17 Dallas. Only a play later, Wright threw a pass to Tasker, and even he fumbled. Jimmy Judson put in all his backups now, and <laughs> after they put in the backups, the Cowboys fumbled it. And <laughs> so the Bills got the ball back, and then came the play. Everyone remembers from the Super Bowl. No one remembers anything else about the Super Bowl except for this one play. So Frank Wright fumbled again. And Leon Lett picked up the ball and headed toward the end zone. He began to celebrate before crossing the goal line. And Don Beebe came out of nowhere to slap the ball out of his hand to save a touchdown. It was a significant play. Had the had Leon Lett scored, the Cowboys would have held the all-time scoring record in a Super Bowl with either 58 or 59 points. Instead, the Cowboys had to settle for 52 and a 35-point margin of victory. Troy Aikman was named Super Bowl Most Valuable Player for his 273 yards on 22 for 30 passing and four touchdowns. His passer rating was a stellar 140.7. I can't argue with that pick at all. However, if there was someone who deserved the second best player award, it would be a tight pick between Michael Irvin, with six catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns, or Jimmy Jones, who recovered two fumbles and returned one for a touchdown. I'll allow the two of them to share the award. The most valuable player on the losing team? I'm going with BB. Not only did he slap the ball out of Lett's hand to prevent the Cowboys from running up the score any further, but he also caught two passes for 50 yards and the Bills' second and final touchdown. His decision to not give up and instead play all out to the bitter end was not lost upon NFL fans. BB became somewhat of a folk hero after this game. 
The least valuable player, unfortunately, was Thurman Thomas. 11 carries for 19 yards. That's putrid. Especially from a guy who won the league MVP a year before. Thomas failed to show up for the big game again. And as a result, Bills were just destroyed by Dallas. The biggest play of this game was the fumble forced on Kelly down on his own goal line by Charles Haley. The ball came out, went right to Jones, and he raced in for an easy touchdown. That play put the Cowboys firmly in front, and they wouldn't give up the lead again. But the biggest play no one remembers is James Washington's interception with the Bills leading 7-0. Who knows, if the Bills go up by 14, do they end up making a game of this? Or would the game simply have ended 52-24? to We'll never know that. What we do know is that there are 69 total points scored in this Super Bowl. Only two have had more. Super Bowl 29 with 75 points. Super Bowl 52 with 74 points. That's the answer to today's pop quiz question. The best player you don't remember is Ebert. He had that interception in the end zone with the Bills threatening the score at the goal line. Instead, Ebert picked off the fourth down pass, gave Dallas the ball at the 20, turned the game in Dallas's favor. Everett had 21 regular season interceptions in his career, spent mostly in Pittsburgh, but also two years in Dallas and then two unfruitful years in Tampa to close out his career. That was a big interception he had. Assigning homework is getting harder and harder because while the older games have lots of books about them, these ones are a little too new for books, but there is one. I'm going with Boys Will Be Boys, The Glory Days and Party Nights of the Dallas Cowboys Dynasty by Jeff Perlman. Obviously, when it comes to a dynasty, the books are going to be about more than just this one season. But that's a good thing for you because you can read up on the next Super Bowls in advance. You may find this book interesting for non-football reasons, too. So, did you like Dallas versus Buffalo? Well, if you didn't, too bad, because we're doing it again in two weeks. Super Bowl Twenty Eight comes up next with the same two teams, the same two announcers, the same television network, and the same result. If you want to read more about these teams, buy my book, Nifty Nineties, The Stories of an Amazing Decade in Pro Football History. Or if you're into college football, buy my book, Penn State Bowl Games, A Complete History. You can find links to both these books and others that I've written at TommyAPhillips.com. This is our final episode of 2021. I hope you had a better year this year than you did in 2020, but I also hope 2022 is better than 2021. So until 2022 and the next Cowboys Super Bowl, This is Tommy A. Phillips, signing off. So long.
Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.